Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, part of the Evening Podcast Network. I am your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry, alongside Mitch and Ethan tonight. Uh, guys, we are proudly sponsored by the Breaking Tea Company. You can go to breakingtea.com backslash WFNY and find all of your Cleveland gear uh guardian shirts uh cav shirts brown shirt whole bunch of stuff they have a brand new one josh naylor all the smoke shirt uh we tweeted out yesterday for them posted on our discord for everybody to see uh did you guys check out the shirt check out the uh the josh naylor all the smoke shirt was a pretty uh yeah, i liked it that a would bunch. be awesome might uh might in my uh closet here soon enough uh, guys, we were supposed to have day baseball today, uh, and now it appears as though we might have to uh, worry about some roster moves. Uh, today's game was, uh, this is obviously May the 11th, uh, the game was po- uh, postponed against the White Sox due to a COVID outbreak amongst the Guardians coaches and personnel. Um, so far, there have been no player positives Um Terry Francona went uh, went down, as well as his replacement for the short term, quote unquote, from the uh, team was Demarlo Hale, uh, also tested positive. Um, anything you guys want to glean from this uh, coaching staff? We the the, the team now has uh, uh, today Wednesday and now also Thursday off. Might help. Who knows? Um, they didn't really. Get have any length in the bullpen that they needed to rest, but um, is there any anything to glean from the from the extra day off that we have this week, Mitch? Uh, I mean, not not I, not really. I maybe uh, maybe Ahmed Rosario takes more practice in the outfield uh, without with the two some, days off. Shagging he needs it. Out and left. Yeah, no, he. Uh, you know, after seeing him out there, what was that two days ago? After seeing him drop that routine fly ball, I mean, I guess it it probably makes him feel better that Gavin Sheets had already done it in the game. <laughs> like it's not that embarrassing because someone else is there with you to commiserate. Um, so I guess I'm happy for him that that happened, and now he gets two days off to practice. That's that's the positive I'm getting out of it. Ethan, anything the about the uh, the two days off here besides the that's commiserating the fact that we're we're not having day baseball. I, I'm, I'm genuinely upset about this because I'm off all this week while transitioning to a new job. So uh, I was looking forward to sitting on my couch and watching a game at home. And sadly, that didn't happen. Uh, as far as COVID goes, hopefully uh, tomorrow, which would have been their normal travel day, nobody else tests positive. Hopefully it stays isolated in the coaching staff. 
as far as I've seen, Sandy Alomar, who's managed this team before, hasn't cropped up as one of the positives. So as long as the travel party can make it to Minnesota and they can field the team, that's fine. But as for the two days off, I think it'll really help everybody nurse the hangover from how drunk Monday night's game was. <laughs> but Funny story. It doesn't even matter if a player gets it as long as they're asymptomatic because they don't get tested. <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't know what MLB's updated guidelines were these days. I, I knew about the roster rules and being able to bring guys not on the 40 man up, but I didn't know what the testing policies were. Yeah. So hopefully no one gets any symptoms and, uh, you know, we move on to Friday's right. game against the Twins, which right. is a, a big matchup. This is, it is a big matchup. We're uh, the team's looking, you know, the, the standings are making it look like it's a, 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 a matchup for future uh, implications here. So. I mean, it's um, one month in. I don't know about we, – we don't want to count our chickens. I'm not sure Minnesota or Cleveland is going to uh, compete for this division. We'll see. Yeah. Um, just real quick, last thing on COVID stuff. If there are players that uh, test positive, um, what do you guys think? Who Who is the next ones up from uh, – triple a that you would think if there's an outfield bat an infield bat obviously gabriel arias would have been one of them but he is now on the io with the broken hand um who would be the uh, the guys that we're looking at on the roster um offensive side that would be up if they were pressed into duty thinking richie yeah, palacios I mean, probably yeah. richie yeah. palacios would definitely come back um and you know it depends on <laughs> I guess Richie Palacios can technically play infield, although we haven't seen it. Um, I thought there was a guy that played that, on the infield. What was that? I thought there was a played on the infield. In Cleveland? I thought I so. I thought that. there was a day one. Let me look oh, at that. Uh, let me check on that. I will. Let, you go ahead, and, uh, Ethan. Anybody that you can think of on the infield or on the pitching staff. Palacios is an obvious one. He's already had a small stint up here, is on the 40-man roster. Um, depending on who's involved, you might see Brian Lavastida from the pitching staff. You might see Tobias Myers. Uh, I know Kirk McCarty is currently with the team right now. I think he's still the fill-in for Yu Chang at the moment. Um, but, yeah, with the injuries to uh, Gabriel Arias and now, especially in double-A with Brian Rocchio, that, that pool of potential players is, is shortened to guys who you might pull from outside the 40-man to come up and play. Which they're allowed to do for COVID players, right? Yeah. yeah so if that's the case, then, you know, you probably see, if it's an outfielder, you might see Anthony Alford. He's a guy with major league experience who they just signed from Pittsburgh. Um you know, they could just fill him in. He's basically, you know, just like an Oscar Mercado pre-2022 type of like, don't expect anything offensively from this guy, but he can play defense fine. Um, yeah, I, I mean. Same that, there with like a Daniel Johnson. Jets played yeah. with Cleveland before. If they don't have right. to add him back to the 40-man roster, he could come up and play a game or two if they need it. That makes yeah, sense. although I still feel like there's a reason they brought in Anthony Alford. Yeah. Re reasons. Okay. Reasons unbeknownst to all of us. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. We've done enough on COVID. No, no players right now. So we're we're hoping that uh, continues, and uh, we are uh, going to have a game on Friday that actually involves major league players. So, um, obviously, the biggest news of this week we've had uh, since we recorded 
uh, Josh Naylor decided to uh, go off on Monday night. I uh, had eight RBIs in his uh, from the eighth inning beyond first player in Major League history to have that many RBIs that late in the game um, without having any before the eighth inning. Um, Mitch, what do you have? Uh, I mean, Josh Naylor, one, he seems to be playing only first base now. Um, his last uh, game at all in right field was the last week of April. Um, so, I mean, it's two weeks, but with such a small sample size, we kind of have to go off of what we have. And on the lineup today that was announced, uh, Naylor was the DH and Fran Ray was in right field for Miles Straw uh, day off in center. Mercado was in center. Kwan was in left. Um, are they going to use? Are they going to use Fran Mill in right field? Owen at Owen Miller at second base when Josh uh, is getting. Um, that seems to be the plan, at least. Or you know, if, if Ahmed's out in the outfield, Owen's at second. Jimenez at the short. I mean, I, I really think they're trying to make a roster where they can mix and match a little bit to try and get guys in, like. As much as we were annoyed that they like threw Ahmed out in left field once and then stopped that plan, they you know they've they've shown some sort of commitment to continuing that thing. So you can you can see Andres Jimenez at shortstop and second base, Owen Miller at second and first base, Josh Naylor at first DH, and like you said, he hasn't been playing right field as much, but uh, I mean that's fine. It's looking like Owen Miller at second a little more and and Josh at first, but you know I it ultimately. It they want to get all these guys played appearances. That's what it's all about. Um, so that's the beauty of having guys like Owen Miller who can play second base and first base and third base if you need him. And you know, I think he's played some corner outfield actually if you needed him in a pinch. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's really the goal here. But you know, they need to do whatever they can to get Josh Naylor into the lineup right now. I mean, over the last seven games. He has a 417 average, 444 on base, 875 slugging, three homers. Um, he's been incredible. And, like, I was telling one of my friends the other day, like, if this guy is good, he is just going to be so much fun. Like, everyone is going to love him because the energy and the enthusiasm he plays the game with is so infectious. Like, you can't help but, you can't help but like, love the guy. Um, so, I mean, I really hope that, you know, this is a semi-regular occurrence that Josh Naylor just like takes over games occasionally throughout the season. That'll be awesome. Um, and everyone will love him. He'll be a Cleveland hero. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with, uh, Josh Naylor taking over games. That, that works for me, especially because, uh, as I wrote earlier this week, he's probably one of my, uh, favorite players on the roster. So exactly. Ethan, That's what I'm Ethan. saying. Ethan, what do you uh, what do you have on Josh on on Naylor? So, <clears throat> loving the energy first and foremost. Uh, I'm a big fan of anybody who shushes a crowd after they make a big play. But uh, beyond that, the the composure of shushing the crowd and then going into the dugout and going absolutely berserk, love that energy. Big big guy in the clubhouse, obviously, both physically and as far as team morale goes. Right. And, you know, it, it's really impressive. We talked last week about, you know, we want to see Naylor get some more lift onto the ball. We want to start seeing him use some of that power. Well, 
in the last week, he's really delivered on that. Uh, his ISO has jumped up to 264. Uh, he's hit, is it three home runs in just the last like four days? Is I know it's three in the last seven. That's what I had up. Okay, so three in the last two games because he hit two on Monday and then he scored the yeah. low run for the Guardians uh, against Giolito with a solo yeah. shot. That was a beautiful oppo swing. Which surprised me to see Naylor go oppo. We know he has the power, but he hasn't really hit a ton of baseballs that way. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's just up there like looking to just crush the ball. He, he's up there like pissed off. It's great. <laughs> Uh, doubling back to what you said earlier about Ahmed, though, uh, for what it's worth, had today's game not been postponed, he was penciled in at shortstop. So two games yeah. of Ahmed in left field, and then Andres moved back to second base had today been played. Yeah. Which, whatever, like, you know, and that, I'm happy that they're trying the left field Ahmed thing at all. Right. I, I think that, honestly, I, I, I don't expect them to put Ahmed in left and leave him there. As Mitch said, I think they are, enjoy um, having these guys play so many different positions and being able to mix and match as uh, as it comes up with with uh, matchups um, because we've they've have shown such a an affinity for platoons in the past. It's kind of hard to uh, to take that out of them and 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 move it around. So, but yeah, um, yeah and I'm and I'm okay I'm okay with Ahmed at, at short if it's once or twice a week. It's it's when it's every day with no regard to defense. That's when it's a little bit questioning. So, Yeah. No, another thing to consider um, is just that these teams just more like the, they know more than we know. And the chasm is like widening, right? Like they have ideas of like, all oh, right, Ahmed Rosario has this type of swing and this pitcher is conducive to allowing contact on this type of hitter. Therefore, like, we need to get Ahmed Rosario in this game, so we're going to throw him in left field. You know, it's just like they're, like, they're playing, like, 8D chess and we're stuck on 2D. Checkers, even. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, it's it's really annoying because, like, I want to be able to complain about stuff in good conscience, and I, in good conscience, and I still do, uh, but, like, at the end of the day, like, I think it's something – that maybe everyone needs to hear a little bit, which is that like this team has like logic behind everything that it does. It's not going to just do stuff because it feels like it. Yeah. These guys are definitely making decisions. I mean, it's a multi-million dollar business. They're not making decisions because of random happenstance. Well, it's not just that. I mean, this is a team that has like, I mean, (laughs) You could argue that the Colorado Rockies are a you know billion dollar organization who are doing things just off happenstance, but the Guardians have just traditionally just right. you know they've been a team that is driven by data and not by emotion or anything at all, and much the fans chagrin. Uh, but now it feels like the 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 two have kind of aligned. The data has met like the fan sentiment, and we're all happy. And even yeah. if this team's not a playoff team, I think we can all agree it's a fun team. For sure. Ethan, anything on the uh, – um, on – well, uh, let me let me blow your mind with two things on, on Naylor real quick that I uh, uh, uncovered, uh, one, of wh- one of which with uh, Mitchell. Um, his money was uh, 
His eight RBIs on Monday is, represents 36% of his season total thus far of RBI, <laughs> which is just an absolutely crazy number to have in one game. Um, even if you think about it this way, you know, we are obviously RBI is, is a stat that we don't necessarily like as a saber friendly um, situation, but uh, we can all agree that 80 is a good number of RBI. Um, on a season, that's 10% in one game. If he got yeah. just, if he ended the year with 80 RBI um, and the watch his help was uh, he already has more RBI this year than he did all of last year going through. Um, he has played in, I had the game number right here, uh, 20. 20 games so far this year, uh, a very nice number of 69 games last year. And already has one more RBI than the entire uh, 2020, uh, 2021 season. So um, it just goes to show how much he's doing. He's hitting well this year and uh, and what he seems to be doing. Um, Ethan, any, any last thoughts on Naylor before we move on? His strikeout rate's down, which is contributing to that. He's done a ton of this damage in the last two weeks alone. Um and like you said, 49 fewer games, he's already eclipsed his RBI total. 49 fewer games, he's just two home runs below what he hit all of last season. And I think what's really impressive so far is that it it feels relatively sustainable. Obviously, you'd like to see his walk numbers uh, increase. He has just a 3.9% walk rate so far, but he has played a couple fewer games than rest, the rest of this team. But, you know, e- even looking at... His WOBA is sitting at 430. You might think that that would come down, suggest some regression to the mean, but his expected WOBA is not that far behind at 410. And beyond that, his BABIP's not outrageously high either, so it suggests he's not really that lucky uh, at all. He's just seeing the ball like a beach ball right now and hitting it all over the yard. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. He's not, like, the analyst in me is like, all about all right like josh naylor he is crushing it right now in a way he never has before like gotta find something that he's doing differently got what what changed what what did changed about his approach or his swing or whatever and like i don't see anything that changed like his his chase rate is the same his contact is a little better but it's not significantly better um he's hitting more line drives this year but that's like you know, I, I think that's more a a result of his good hitting rather than a cause. It's not like, you know, he's hitting more line drives, therefore he's good. It's he's good right now, therefore he's hitting more line drives. I mean, he's just like crushing the ball. And like, I don't know if, um, you know, I we've seen a glimpse of this in the 2020 wildcard game against the Yankees when he just absolutely you know, lit up the Bronx's pitching. And, uh, you know, I've got a friend here in, in school with me who's uh, he's a big Yankees fan and, big, you know, follows the game closely. And, like, no one outside of Cleveland really has any right to know anything about Josh Naylor, I guess, in Cincinnati is, or, sorry, in San Diego as well. Um, but this guy just remembers Josh Naylor as the Yankee <laughs> killer because he just hit, like, three balls off the wall or over the wall in that game. And so we've seen Josh Naylor go off like this before. I mean, if he can 
extend this for a, a significant amount of time, or he can do this three or four more times this year. Like that's a, that's a real piece. Like I'm really excited. This is so much fun. That's all I have to say about Josh Naylor. He's, he's not doing anything different. He's just being Josh Naylor and it's working for him. And that rules. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I always enjoy when the production matches the uh, the expectation, the, the mindset, the game plan, I guess. Um, you know, we... We've we've talked a lot of it on this podcast about the the changes of the game plan this year from years previous where they've gone more contact and, and Naylor was one of those guys that they acquired as a uh, like a precursor to this where it was contact first and he 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 was one of the guys I I remember at least that uh, you know it seemed that way so it, it's nice to see that this is actually working out for him this it's. Like you said, yeah. the it, it it's he's it's just happening. <laughs> There's no real yeah. rhyme or reason as to why it's happening. It's just happening. We're yeah. I'm, just, I'm I'm happy to be here as well. So Josh Josh Naylor is too stubborn to do anything different. He just believes in Josh Naylor, and Josh Naylor is proving Josh Naylor to be correct. Josh Naylor is doing Josh Naylor things. Exactly. So. I, I Josh Naylor seems like the kind of guy to refer to himself in the third person, right? I can see that. <laughs> yeah maybe I, I want it to happen josh naylor we'll talk we'll talk to him about it we'll, we'll yeah I'll, I'll, if you're I'll, listening josh naylor <laughs> josh, josh naylor if you're hearing your name all the time he definitely is a guy that you say that both names of He's oh yeah not a, there's no there there's no you don't just call him josh you don't just really call him naylor he is naylor yeah you know all his teammates call him josh naylor like how you know right 100 percent. oh hey josh <laughs> naylor come over, over here real quick i have a funny mean yeah, there's no doubt about it. And right. I and I stand by the fact that Josh Naylor calls himself Josh Naylor. Right. Um moving off of Josh Naylor. Um being the uh, uh the heating up of uh Frias, uh I call him Franny. I don't know, I'm calling him Franny for some reason. Uh he was hitting like a Franny at the start of the year through March and April when this little whole bunch of arbitrary endpoints leave me alone uh he had 11 wrc plus just 11 just just two numbers not 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 three two numbers 11 wrc plus march through april uh in the month of may through these 11 days it's a 191 so uh whatever happened uh with the calendar turn for, for fran mill um seems to be working ethan what do you have you uh seen that is working for Fran Mill that is not, that was not working previously. Purely based on the eye test, because it's, it's not perfect right now. He's definitely laying off more of those away breaking pitches, not perfectly, but it's getting better, which is extending his at bats, which is getting him more opportunities to put the barrel on something. And we've talked the last, two weeks that Fran Mule was going to be the engine that gets this offense up and running. 
And since the start of May, you've seen a relatively more consistent offense out there, minus the the one-run dud against Chicago uh, Tuesday night. So look at it this way. He played 18 games in April slash March, and he hit 135. In 10 fewer games so far in May, he's hitting 387. He's eclipsed his hit total for the season through those first 18 games by two. Uh, he's tied his RBI total. The strikeouts are still kind of there. Now he's going after some high high fastballs has been the shift I've noticed, especially up and in has been a consistent issue while he's even been on this hot streak. But he's not trying to do a ton with the ball. He's not trying to hit it out of the park. He's trying to get singles the opposite direction. He's trying to find a gap. He's trying to get a grounder up the middle. And that's something that I think uh, I heard Chris Velika told him that he has to do is that he's got to start working on hitting the ball the other way and creating opportunities for himself because doing that and proving that you can hit the ball the other way, they're not going to be able to pitch you that way. They're going to have to bring the ball in and he's going to get something that he can just turn into a mammoth moonshot eventually. So we've, we've talked about it ad nauseum that he's going to be the, the key to this machine and it's starting to look that way. He's starting to get the bat on the ball and some, some luck finally is going his way. Yeah, luck is a luck is a key word here. I mean, uh, over the last seven days, he is a six sixty seven BABIP, uh, and on the season, he actually has a three fifty two BABIP. So he's even he's even really getting lucky on the batted balls on the season as a whole. But um, yeah, over the last seven days, the strikeout rate is still high, but it's more what you know, in line, I guess, with what we would want from Framil Reyes's numbers. Um, but what Ethan said is right. Like, ultimately, we want the power from Framil Reyes. That is why he's in the lineup. He is not here to hit singles. We have lots of guys to hit singles. Um, but the key right now is getting Framil Reyes back to hitting homers. And if, you know, the choices between Framil Reyes you know, hitting the occasional single, uh, hitting liners the opposite way, um, you know, and him just striking out half the time, you know, I'll choose the first one. So, you know, hopefully this is not final form from meal of the season. Like hopefully this is not the final fix of what ailed him. Um, but it's, it's hard to deny that it's a step in the right direction. Absolutely. You can see, um, that Oakland series, like Ethan said, when he was starting to start, the ice started to thaw a little bit when he was going the opposite way. And and we, we, we've long heard that's how you start breaking out of slumps is start looking at the ball, taking it the other way. And uh, it seems to be working. We definitely want to see Fred Mill get heated up uh, and get hot, stay hot, break the, break this off, whatever, uh, you know, idiom you want to go with here. But um, yeah, it's nice to see. And, uh, doing that, I was looking through just putting around Statcast, and um, he has really gotten unlucky uh, this year. His his um, hard hit percentage is, I think, like fiftieth or something like that in Major League Baseball. He, he's hitting the crap out of the ball. Just early on in the year, it was right at people, and I think that kind of got. I think that seemed to mess with his head a little bit, and started trying to pr- push and press. Um, and sort of wanted to make things happen, but uh, whatever, whatever Valeka is doing, whatever uh, they are are working with him on, seems to be uh, the cure here. So, um, 
Mitch, you were uh, you had found something on on Jose, who was the player of the month for April um, and hasn't been doing as much at the plate uh, through May so far. Um, Jose Ramirez. What was it that you had? Uh, yeah, he's, he's just having a really funny uh, last seven games. First of all, he's only seeing 31.6% of pitches in the zone. They've basically decided to stop throwing him strikes, which who can blame them? Um, and he's, and you know, he's continuing to never swing and miss as he does just 4.1% of pitches. Um because, you know, he's not offering. He's he's seeing only 30% strikes. But very frustratingly, I think, for some um, – well, certainly for Jose Ramirez, is that, you know, he's not damaging the ball on contact uh, like he was in the month of April. Just a 172 batting average in the last uh, seven games, 103 ISO, very low for Jose Ramirez, 179 BABIP probably related to the fact that he's just hitting a bunch of routine fly balls. Um, And that's frustrating. And yet he still has an above average batting line because he is walking in 21.6% of his plate appearances while striking out in only 2.7% of them. So despite the fact that he's a 172 batting average in the last seven games, he has uh, a 351 on base percentage because he is just walking so gosh darn much. Yeah. He is he has walked eight times in the last seven games, uh, which oh. is just like an abominable, an, an incredibly high amount. And, and 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 he struck out what one time? Let me confirm that that is the case. Uh, yeah, he has one strikeout and eight walks in his last week. So if you're not going to hit the ball hard, you might as well, uh, you know, find first base in other ways. And that and and. And that's really what makes Jose Ramirez special. He just has such a I, – I feel like if if we don't talk about Jose Ramirez and something interesting he's doing every single time, uh, you know, we podcast here, we're doing our jobs wrong. We're doing, uh, doing a disservice. Most, yeah, he's the most special player, uh, you know, of my lifetime in this in this city, and, and he's certainly the most special player on this roster now. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah. I, I, just, yeah. Finding ways to make it work. Finding ways to make it be the way. Yeah. He's a 179 BABIP, and he still has an above average uh, WRC plus because he's walking so much and striking out so little. It's just, you know, I just like, I feel so lucky we get to watch him, and I feel so lucky we get to watch him for seven more years. I'm just like, I'm still over the moon about that. Yeah. Ethan, anything on Jose's uh, May so far? I'm going to continue to beat this dead horse. This is exactly why you need Franmil Reyes to be hot and, and to be playing well. And, and you said, what, 31%-ish of pitches in the zone so far in the month of May? Yep. Well, the last seven days. Well, of course he's hitting. I mean, there's only been eight games in May, so basically, yeah. But of course he's only hitting 176. They're not giving him anything to hit. But that's going to be the brilliance because if Fran Neal gets hot, you're top of the lineup, not worried about Straw, not worried about Quan, definitely not worried about Jose. But if you have Fran Neal in the four spot, beating the cover off the ball, 
Owen Miller lacing doubles every other at bat like he's done so far. And then you're sprinkling in Andres Jimenez, who, oh, by the way, is hitting 340 something. <laughs> My who, boy. who are you going to pitch around? Sure. Sorry, pitch around are you talk, did you invoke the name of Everyday Andres? I don't know. I did invoke Everyday Andres. Everyday Andres is one of our like better nicknames at Wait. <laughs> Everyday Andres is good. Everyday Andres. He's he's hitting 333 on the season after like, uh, Tuesday's. It's game. it's just really really apt too because he's just like he's always there. He's always playing great defense, even though he never walks. He's still working pitchers. Like he, it feels like it's never an easy at bat for anyone. Like for the pitcher, I should say. Like ugh, I love Andres. I oh my god. But he's done such a good job. And I know you asked me about Jose, and now we're gonna talk about Andres. You're fine. No, you're good. Such- good job in his first 26 games of working the count that I think he can do that consistently and the walk numbers will come with that um we we talked about it this week on, on the on the website looking at his swing and take profiles and how he's getting ahead in the count significantly more than he has in past seasons and he's using that to his advantage to get pitches to hit and he's he's punishing them he's not missing them so he's he's got a simplified approach he's not trying to do too much with the baseball and it's working for him yeah, no doubt. I think <laughs> this is just a little thing that really bothered me over the course of the week is uh, in the game that we somehow have alluded to when talking about Josh Naylor, but I haven't talked about directly when Cleveland was down eight to two in the ninth inning and majestically came back scoring six runs in the ninth to one run in the 10th and three in the 11th to win the game against the hated White Sox 12 to nine uh, in that game. Uh, an unsung hero was Andres Jimenez, who uh, hit. It was a not on. Un- it was not unsung by Josh Naylor, who went out of his way yeah. in the post game press Naylor. conference to yeah. to discuss Andres every day on in uh, that uh, gave him the props. So that's good. Josh- that's good. That's good on Josh Naylor. Josh Naylor, as a hero of that game, is very sung. He is a very sung hero of that game. Uh, Andres Jimenez only sung by Josh Naylor, apparently, for hitting that leadoff homer. Terry Francona said something post-game, too. Okay, I should watch the post-game. But anyway, Andres Jimenez, basically the point that I was trying to make was that he hit that opposite field home run to start uh, the inning, and everyone was like, wow, that ball carried a lot. It didn't look that impressive off the bat. He hit the ball 100 miles per hour, and his swing is just very conducive to, like, putting lift and good spin on the ball. Like, I think the power is real with him. Like, I – I, I think we're going to see a few more home runs that look like that, where it's like, I mean, even his like absolute bomb a few weeks ago, not the grand slam. He had another home run on like a low curveball. I can't remember exactly uh, the situation, but it looked like a routine flyout and it went like 424 feet. The guy has power. Like let's not sleep on, let's not chalk up Andres Jimenez homers to like carrying well or like the wind aiding them like dude can hit i love andres jimenez i could talk about him for an hour yeah we always i remember when he was acquired and the conversation was like what if this is lindor and and we're getting there we're getting close and it's 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 actually it's actually happening a little bit so Lindor's a bit of a lofty comparison still. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's not. Let's not. I said we're getting there. I said we're getting there. We're like. Well, I, 
I did argue for it in the article that went live on the website earlier this week that, you know, his offensive floor is a lot higher than I think people are giving him yes. credit for. And yeah. a lot of people, I think, wrote him off after that abysmal 2021 campaign. Everybody looked at those first 30 games and how that dragged his stats down. Nobody looked at the fact that you probably saw a more accurate version of him down the stretch when he got called back up later in the season right. and hit a little bit over 250. And now he's he's starting to show growth year over year now from 22 to 23. And he probably won't hit 300 the whole year, but if Andres hits 270, he's an all-star. That's yeah. that's bottom line. With with some power, right? Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna be he's not a guy who's gonna hit single digit homers. Yeah. He's um you know, he is a guy who can hit for some power. And like let's not forget about the amazing run prevention he provides. I mean, we've seen some incredible plays this year. And uh, you know, he, he the pitchers have to love him, right? The pitcher yeah. I mean yeah. yeah. It, it, it I would say that I would say that pitchers would be in would be in love with them if they were actually getting ground balls. But again, I I've mentioned before that that this year for whatever reason they seem to be going fly ball more than ground ball, despite the dead end ball. So um, I don't know that it has normalized yet, but they still are are uh, going fly ball heavy to, to ground ball. But that's yeah, a nice little ninety seventh percentile of outs above average. Yep. Nice, that's fantastic. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, if you just allow home runs to the the Blue Jays, you can't, you know, reap the benefits of Andres Jimenez. Speaking of of bad outings against the Blue Jays, that's a nice. Yeah, I was transition. trying to throw you into that. I know, I was there. I was getting there. I was, I was a getting little, there. Uh, Lob City action. It going was. This is for Ohio over here. Um, what is uh guys what is what is going on with uh shane bieber here it, it's it, is this who he is now with low velo it, it, he's lost almost a full two runs or two miles per hour off of his four seam fastball from a year ago um the the nothing seems to be uh as, as fast and we've talked about it this whole season so far that uh, you know, everybody seems to be ha- be losing Vila except for McKenzie, um, but seems to be the one that's like showing it the the worst here. Um, is there an injury that we need to be worried about? Is this a is this who he is now? Uh, can and can he be effective? He wasn't in um, the game on on Saturday last week when he had the with the first game of doubleheader. But is there a, a, a way that he can be um, effective going down uh, if, if if this isn't an injury and if this is uh, what we have to look forward to with Shane Bieber? Mitch? I mean, hi. Okay, first of all, with in regards to losing velocity, he yes, he has lost over two miles per hour on last year, a year that he lost over one mile per hour from the year prior. And – his Cy Young award-winning season of 2020, he averaged 94.1 miles per hour on the fastball. He is now averaging 90.6 miles per hour on the fastball. That is a 3.5 mile per hour difference. That is like an absolutely like chasmic, chasmus, chasmus uh, gap. That is a, that is a massive gap uh, from the. I don't know the adjective to... word of chasm, 
but I'm not sure. I completely stole this. What was that? I think you were looking for precipitous drop. It is a precipitous drop. The cosmic chasmus thing was already done on a effectively wild, and it was just stuck in my head. I completely like jobbed them of that. So I should give them credit. Uh, but no. Um, the thing is, is he was effective until like <laughs> he was effective until that start, right? Like the velocity was down, and we were all just kind of like, okay, the velocity's down, but I guess he's still effective, so we can't really talk about it. And then he had a bad start, and everyone's like, "What's wrong with Bieber?" And it's it's kind of halfway between those things, right? Like it's not gonna be a terrible start every time. The Blue Jays are really, really good. He didn't have his good stuff that day, and they punished him. Like that happens. Uh, at the same time, like, is this guy going to compete for Cy Young awards? Throwing ninety point six miles per hour? No, sir. I do not think he will be. Um, he doesn't get it, the swings and misses that he once got. I mean, even last year he was getting twelve and a half strikeouts per nine, or thirty three point one percent of strikeouts per batter face. Um, you know, both those are much stronger than this year. Um, yeah, I mean, he, as it stands right now, like he might not be my favorite pitcher to watch on this guardians team because he's, uh, he's looking worse than, than Tristan McKenzie to start the year. And it's really painful to watch a guy that we saw, uh, dominate just two years ago. Some of the best pitching. He won the AL or the All Star Game MVP three years ago. Um, you know, it's it's tough to watch, but right now, like this tough to watch Bieber is still pretty good. Like, you know, the second best pitcher on the team at worst, and uh, you know, it's not going to be it's not going to be that bad going forward. And hopefully, he gains his velo back. Hopefully, he gains his velo back, and uh, we'll be fine. Like we, you asked in this question, Stan, you were like, is there an injury? And it's like, I don't know. Like, I definitely right. don't know. I hope not. Um, You're the medical guy. I count on, no, I'm just. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> definitely his, uh, you know, the short head of the biceps tendon is wearing on his labrum. No, I have no idea. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan, um, what do you, uh, what do you think about Bieber? Is there a way for him to be effective? What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On Press Box Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on Press Box Access. There's definitely a way for Bieber to be effective, but Gerbs, when it was just you and I last week, we we talked about this too about how the, the alarm bells are firmly ringing in my ears. Yeah, uh, about the entire pitching staff, but especially with Bieber, and you know, going back, he did have the shoulder injury last year, and we hope that you know recovering from that and the surgery that he had isn't leading to all of this. But I'm still clinging to that sliver of hope that. This is an organizational design thing because everybody's down that they're trying to find some way to extend arms, but it's not likely at this point. We've seen enough of these guys that they really should be accelerating by now, but he's down a tick or two 
across the board. Um, and, and Mitch touched on it. His, his swing and miss rate is down on every single pitch. Uh, and, and that's where Bieber thrives. You know, the, the rest of this team, Quantrill and Savali are ground ball pitchers. Plezak on at his best is supposed to be a, a strikeout slash weak fly ball kind of guy. McKenzie's going to be a, a strikeout weak fly ball kind of guy, but Bieber thrives on, on the strikeout. And if he doesn't have that going, if he doesn't have the swings and misses and his pitches aren't what they used to be, he's, he's down some spin rates and all of that, then guys are just going to tee off on him. So if he's going to find a way to be successful like this, it's probably going to have to come down to, to sequencing, maybe relying more on the slider, maybe trying to cut the cutter no pun intended. Um, it's not a pitch he throws often, but his most successful pitch this year in a small sample size has been the changeup. So, you know, if it's going back to basics and being a, a fastball slider changeup kind of guy and just getting batters off of or off balance in the box with, you know, changes of speed and all of that, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Bieber could do that. But like Mitch said, I, I don't think there's a path to him contending for another Cy Young. This is the new Shane Bieber. Now, if you want to put a positive spin on that, when we had Meisel on before the season, he said Bieber had already had his eyes set on testing for agency. Well, maybe he's not worth $300 million anymore. Yeah, but I also, on the on the flip side of that coin, I don't know if the Guardians are exactly itching to sign him to a long-term extension right now either. No, but, you know, I, I, I'm going to say the quiet part out loud and just kind of float that one out into the yeah. ether. No, that's that's fair. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that is an interesting thought, like what happens to his long-term value right now. Um, right, and it's not like the team doesn't have arms on the way. I mean, yes, uh, yeah. with Daniel Espino, with uh, the one and only Logan Allen now, um, Xavion. Hunter Gaddis? Huh? Hunter Gaddis. Hunter Gaddis. There, there are there are guys that are are a year or two away now that Andrew Burns that can come Gavin up. Williams, and, Doug Nikhazy, Curry. Love me. I said Xavier Curry. I was trying to say oh, Xavier Curry. Okay. Uh, but um, no, I, I I agree with you guys. And, and to your point, Ethan, with signing a an extension to uh, with Beaver. Um, you know, there are guys on the on the farm that are coming up that are going to be that are close that are going to need spots that are going to be pushing guys out. We we thought for the longest time that it was going to be Plezak and maybe Savali or Quantrill, but um, if uh, if it keeps going this way, and and this is very doom and gloom here as I'm getting into this, yeah. um, but it, it it doesn't look good right now. I mean, I, I looked a little bit more into the Savant page. His whiff rate is down almost ten percent from last year. Um, his, his zone contact is up almost five, uh, over 5%. Um, and zone swing is, is up five, is up 5%, 6% actually. Um, I mean, he's, he's being, Bieber was able to be around the strike zone. He, he, we know his MO is throwing strikes and he's able, was able to do it when he was, when he had a, a better fastball and a better command, and he's just not getting those things right now. So um, I'm not saying he's lost. I'm not saying that we're that we're getting rid of him or anything like that. We're not throwing him to the fishes and and, and tossing him out, but uh, quick, Tristan quick McKenzie is definitely the ace right now. So Shane Bieber had one bad start this year against the team that employs 
George Springer, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Lourdes Gurriel, Teoscar Hernandez. I could keep going. Like, he had a bad start. He had a bad start this year. And, yes, the warning signs are there and they are scary. But at the end of the day, like, I kind of said this in the beginning. Like, he had had these warning signs all year and we were all kind of dancing around it because he had been good all year. And then he has one bad start and now we're all, like, freaking yeah. out. Like, no, not that much has changed. He's had a bad start. Like, yeah. He's still Shane Bieber. He'll still probably be pretty decent. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move to the bullpen where there are guys that are looking good. Um, Ethan, do you have anything? Uh, um, where Where do you Where do you feel about the bullpen right now? Um, I, I say a, a very broad. Uh, the bullpen is looking good. Um, it seems as though that the if the starters are giving up runs early, um, it seems the the vast majority of the bullpen is actually holding the the holding the runs, and um, and if there is one guy, if there is an instance where they're giving up runs, it seems to be one guy a night, and then then everyone else is pretty good. So, um, go for it. What do you feel about the bullpen overall right now? If you put a gun to my head and asked me to give him a letter grade, I. I, I think I could pretty comfortably give them a B minus so far. Um, I was going to B, but it, when you said that, I was going with B in my head. So it it it's still it, it doesn't make me not want to chug Pepto watching them because I still get terrible indigestion when some of these guys are out on the mound. Um, you know, I, I can tell you right now that I've seen enough that I'm I'm out on Anthony goes. Um, it, it's a coin toss whether or not he knows where his pitches are going when he comes out of that pen, and I really don't think that that's anything that's going to improve for an over-30 converted reliever. You know, yay, you throw 100 and you're a lefty. Do you know where that baseball is going? Because I don't. So it, it's it's little things like that. Trevor Steffen this year has been a pleasant surprise. We, we kind of have this really weird in-between with Emmanuel Classe to start the season where – you're just not sure what you're going to get. The the game that Naylor, you know, stuck his claim to went as long as it did and gave him an opportunity to hit an extra three-run home run because Class A couldn't close it down in the 10th. So it's it's interesting right now. Um, but you are seeing decent contributions. Henches has been really good. I know Mitchell will be happy to hear me admit that. Uh, I, I already said Trevor Steffen was surprising. In small doses – even smaller than what he's been given. I think Eli Morgan has a shot to be a real effective pitcher out of this bullpen. And I've just been relatively happy to not see Brian Shaw thrown out in every high leverage situation imaginable. Those chances have been going to Trevor Steffen and Nick Sandlin. Sandlin has also been a little bit kind of back and forth, but I think I can relatively give them a B minus. It is not, uh, it's not a bane of this team right now. It doesn't feel like Nick Sandlin's been bad because he is a 409 ERA. Um, but he has been bad. Uh, he he has pitched uh, 11 innings this season, and he has walked uh, – let's see here. He has walked eight batters and struck out six batters. That's bad. That's not what you want. And uh, that works out to be a uh, 656 fit uh, fielding independent pitching for you kids at home. 
that's not what you want. He's been by Fangraphs war. He has been the worst relief pitcher on the team um, this season. Um, I believe in him still. I'm not saying like he's bad or anything like that, but I think he, he's been pretty bad. Like he just hasn't been able to throw strikes. It's been unfortunate. Um, on he's the another side, guy though who's he's just in his second season. He's coming off of an injury too. So no doubt, no doubt. I, I think he's still have plenty of stock in in uh in uh why am i blanking on his name the sandman and yeah and uh nick sandlin of course um yeah i still have plenty of stock in him don't get me wrong i'm just saying he's been really bad this year but on the flip side of that um sam hendris has been just absolutely incredible like you gave you mentioned him like but let me let me read you his numbers this year he has a oh he has an 069 era Nice. Oh man, that sounds flaky. Nice. He has an 072 FIP and a 1.22 XFIP because he has struck out uh, 12 batters per nine and walked under one and yet to allow a homer. He's giving up 64% grounders thanks to the fact that he is throwing a new pitch or he's throwing a, an old pitch much more often. He has basically decided to start throwing a sinker way more. So now he has two different fastballs that he throws over 20% of the time. Combine that with the slider and still the occasional curveball. And it's just been really, really effective for him. Like he is, he has been an absolute revelation. Like it's, it's hard to just find, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what a guy is doing differently to get, have success when you know, it's relief pitching. He's pitched like 10 innings this year. Um, but he has just looked absolutely incredible. And, you know, between Hentress, between Classe and uh, Stefan, like those are three like really exciting young players that could be here for a long time. And unlike, you know, guys we've had in this role in the past, say Nick Whitgren or uh, what was that guy's name? Ramirez. Dan Otero. Oh, Dan Otero. Who's Ramirez? It was, I want to say, I'll figure this out when I'm not talking anymore. Anil Ramirez, I got it. There yeah, there's a bunch of dudes who it's like, okay, like they're putting them there. Blake Parker. Like, Blake Parker, sure. Like now it's like three young guys who are doing really well. And it's just hard not to be excited about them. The stuff, you know, watching them, the eye test, the stuff, it backs it up, it backs up the results. Uh, the peripherals back them up, and uh, these guys should be on the team for for years to come, and it's pretty darn exciting. And I don't see any reason why we can't expect this team to like continue to grow the bullpen. It's not going to get worse, you know. We got Cody Morris down there. We got Tobias Harris, Tobias Myers. Tobias Harris is a basketball player for the 76ers. <laughs> Tobias Myers. I was like, that doesn't sound like a name that I remember. <laughs> yeah, it so- right. sounds familiar, but not in the way that I know it. Connor Pilkington looked really good against the Blue Jays. He did I was yeah. uh, I was excited uh, for Pilkington. Um, Peyton Battenfield, exciting. Like even if the the peripherals haven't looked that great in the minors this year, I mean, there's a bunch of guys like in the next few years if they're throwing high leverage innings for the Guardians, will not shock me. Yeah, um, yeah, I I was uh, I was happy with Plink, uh, Pilkington. Um, I always want to call him Plinkington. I, I don't know if it's a. Uh, I watched too much. Um, Prices right going up. I don't know. 
don't think I named it. Like, like a Plinko, the Plinko thing. Um, no, you know what you're talking about. That's not Price is Right. Plinko. Mm. I don't nope. know. Okay, I guess I'm out. All right, that's fine. We have a great night, guys. Uh, you guys uh, take care. And um, no, uh, <laughs> what uh, the one bullpen guy I wanted to mention was Eli Morgan. Um, he has had a bunch of success this year. And uh, Terry Francona has mentioned a bunch that he is a he considers him a weapon. But they mentioned on the telecast that he hasn't been getting a lot of work because they value uh, the length that he has. He's a he's basically a spot starter. Um, and in this early going there, they just don't want to throw him and then need him the next day. So um, I, I, I want to see more Eli Morgan. I want to see more of the um, inning or two, you know, uh, maybe give some of, some of these guys a little, little bit of a break in the bullpen. Um, I, I, I just want to see a little bit more of Eli Morgan. That's all. Um, I want to see the, the fastball and the changeup and, and the, the thickness that we've talked about in the past, but uh, um, hoping that we uh, we see a little bit of of that coming. Um, I don't expect it to because uh, we've now uh, reached the look ahead portion of the podcast. Uh, there are a lot of days off um, over the next week, week and a half. Um, obviously, uh, Cleveland had the random day off today due to COVID. Uh, there's a travel day tomorrow to get to Minnesota. Um, then they have Monday is an off day, only a two game set with, with Cincinnati. And then Thursday is another off day. So over, so by the time we podcast next week, we should only actually have five games to go through rather than six or seven, like we would hope for. Um, but, uh, so I don't, I don't imagine they're going to need to give guys rest and use Eli Morgan, um, but uh, it's a big series with Minnesota over the weekend, despite the fact that uh, Ethan punched down my uh, idea that this is division um, division work or anything like that that we have to do uh, that they have to do. Um, are you guys? What are you guys looking forward to with this twin series? This will be the first time we see the twins this year. Anything that you're excited mm-hmm. about that you uh, are want to see? Um, you know, you will. They'll be seeing Byron Buxton for the first time this year. A um, bunch of changes on Twins. I feel like they they made a lot of moves in the offseason. I'll tell you what I'm excited for. I'm excited to watch Tristan McKenzie pitch on Sunday, as I am every time Tristan McKenzie steps up to the mound. I don't care who he's playing against. He's my boy. I am, I am firmly on Tristan McKenzie Island as well. I am on the train. I am on the island, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, am, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. Drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, the Mick Kool-Aid. Get a get a, a stick jersey or a yeah. stick shirt for me from Raycom. Uh, do they have one? They do. I can show you Ooh. the link. I'll send you the link for it. Um, Ethan, anything you're excited about for this tweet? Since it's where we have left to go off of. As a fan of baseball as a whole, very excited to see a healthy Byron Buxton because that guy is absolutely incredible and the injuries that he has suffered have taken something fun away from all of us as fans of the sport, regardless of whether or not he's in Cleveland's division and will personally victimize me for the next three games. 
but also at the same time, as far as prospects go, with Carlos Correa currently on the injured list for the Twins, uh, we're all going to get our first look at Royce Lewis, who's played a handful of games so far, who is one of the Twins' top prospects and one of the top prospects in all of baseball. So, Are you a believer? Uh, I'm sorry? Are you a believer? I haven't seen him play live yet. I'll let you know after I see him swing a bat in person. But. You know, he's one of those guys, we talked about it last week with Mackenzie Gore, how he was one of those highly touted players for years that just never really seemed to get a chance or break onto the stage and then got to watch him pitch against Cleveland. So just looking forward to the opportunity to seeing guys that have been talked about for the last four or five years pretty heavily now getting the chance to, to see them play. I think I'm looking forward to uh, Jose Miranda. I have him in two leagues, uh, fantasy leagues. Both of, uh, always back to fantasy with you, Gerbs. Always back to fantasy. I have him in a dynasty league, though. I was able to steal him uh, from a guy. And uh, right, right as soon as he was getting called up, I uh, I got him in a trade. So um, Let me give I'm you excited a real to answer. see if that happens. So. What was that? Let me give you a real answer. Go for it. Um, the guy that I'm interested to see and like the most exciting guys on – the most exciting guy on the Twins that we haven't talked about yet is – their rookie relief pitcher, Joe, Joan, Joanne, Joanne Duran, Joan Duran. I think it's Joan Duran. Joan Duran. Yeah. Don't know how to say his name, uh, but his watching him pitch is kind of like a, a, it's kind of like a, if you love baseball, it's kind of just like a divine moment. Like he just has, you know, the guy throws 103 miles per hour. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a uh, frequent contributor to pitching ninja. That's yes. usually what I like base my my hopes and uh, or of like my my interest on what I see. So, right, and unlike um, Hunter Green, it seems like you know he actually has like pretty incredible stuff and like pretty decent results, all things considered. Been bitten by the home run ball a little bit, but you know it's it's going to be a treat to watch him, just as it is a treat to watch Byron Buxton. I think no one really knows Duran's name yet, so. He's a guy to keep an eye out for. Going to be one of those things where I sit there and watch him pitch and go, oh, God, is this what it's like to watch Classe when your team's down? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I love Classe. Oh, man. Let's let's hope that uh, Duran doesn't get a lot of save opportunities this weekend. We, uh... Yeah. They're going to, you know what? I hope they're probably going to need to get him work on Sunday when Guardians right. are up 8 1 in the 7th and he hasn't pitched all weekend. When they run a time where they're bringing in really, uh, position players to uh, to pitch to guys hitting left-handed for the first time right. ever. Duran will pitch seventh inning, and then it'll be eight to one in the eighth, and they'll throw in uh, who will they throw in? Gio Urshela will pitch. Oof, there's a name. Yeah. So is that mean Quan's going to hit a bomb from the right-handed batter's box? Is that going to be our version of rundown? Dude, I would not put it past him. Quan, I, I, I wouldn't put it past. I would I I think the commiserate thing would be Fran Mail hitting it left handed. Or Jose Ramirez. Oh wait, Jose Ramirez. He's, he's a switchy, so I'm you can yeah. I'm a fool. Although this year he has not been very good from the right side. Yeah. He has hit a home run from the right side. He hit a grand slam, I think. He, from has, the right side. he has. That was a silly thing to say. It's like Fran Mail Reyes. Good point, Gerbs. I got you. Always here for you. So all right guys. Well that's gonna do it for us tonight. Uh uh, anything else you guys have real quick? No, nothing. No, you're good. Let's All right. I'm good with this too. All right. You guys take care. Down, <laughs> you guys take care. 
Uh, take care of yourselves. Good night. Pit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!